Good evening and welcome to North Point Baptist Church. I am so glad that you're here tonight. If you uh, need an outline, if you'll raise your hand, all those that need an outline. If you're listening online or in the app, you can download the outline and follow along with us tonight as well, right next to where you clicked on uh, this lesson. You'll see a little paper tab there, and it will get you to the outline. Revelation chapter number 7 tonight. Revelation chapter number 7. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the 144,000 and the innumerable multitude. So Revelation chapter number 7. Thank you again for being here tonight. We are going to start right in Revelation chapter number 7. We're going to read the first 17 verses uh, tonight and uh, get our thoughts uh, to where we are headed in Revelation chapter number 7. We're actually just going to read the first 8 verses to get started and then we'll look at the rest of it as we continue. Revelation chapter number 7, verse number 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to the hurt, the earth, and the sea saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of the tribes of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Aser were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. So we see, uh, to begin with, in Revelation chapter number 7, is the ceiling of the 144,000. We're going to start right at the top of your outline and gather our thoughts for this evening. In our last lesson, we studied about the opening of the fifth seal, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held cried out for vengeance. You remember the last time we got together and how that uh, these uh, saints of God were slain for the word of God during the tribulation and uh, they were at the altar of God, in the throne room of God, and they were crying out for vengeance. And we found out that that is uh, totally different than what uh, Christ did on the cross for us. He cried out for forgiveness, or how Stephen cried out for forgiveness uh, for the people as he was being stoned. But here we found out that they are crying out for vengeance. And the reason that they're crying out for vengeance is because grace is no longer in place. Now uh, uh, grace is subsiding. Um, in the tribulation and justice and vengeance is being placed. And so the, the souls of men were wondering when vengeance was going to take place. Then at the opening of the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake and worldwide catastrophes on the earth. And so we know that uh, it was beginning to uh, take place and have uh, issues there um, as uh, catastrophe was taking place um, and world, uh, worldwide earthquakes and uh, terrible destruction. Now in chapter 7, 
there is an interruption in the opening of the seals. The seventh seal will not be broken until chapter number eight. Therefore, chapter seven is a parenthesis. That's the word you're looking for. Parenthesis between the sixth and the seventh seal. So we have a parenthesis between the sixth and the seventh seal. This is, in other words, God extending his grace one more time. God pouring out his grace one more time at the sealing of the 144,000. The opening of the sixth seal resulted in catastrophic destruction on the earth and all humankind hiding in fear. However, before the seventh seal is opened, God shows he is still a God of mercy, even in time of judgment. His mercy reveals itself in the form of a break in judgment. Number one, the sealing of the 144,000. The sealing of the 144,000. The sealing of the 144,000. In the first three verses, John sees four angels hold back the four winds of the earth, which undoubtedly refers to judgments taking place on the earth, or the great tribulation, as Jesus calls it. So the first three verses, John sees four angels, literally the four corners of the earth, um, holding back the four winds of the earth, which undoubtedly refers to the judgments taking place. So we're going to see now that there's going to be a pause, there's going to be a break in the judgments. Uh, we have seen that the first six seals have brought catastrophic destruction upon the earth with death and pestilence and, and blood and different things that are happening uh, throughout the first six seals. And now the, the seventh seal, uh, is, it's time for it to open, but God literally presses the pause button in order for, for grace once again to be extended. Grace has been extended for thousands of years to the church. And, and, and now even in the worst of tribulation and the worst of times, God is once again going to press the pause button and allow grace to be taken in place. The interlude in the opening of the seals may have been what Jesus was referring to in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 22. And the Bible says this, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now don't let that word elect scare you. Many uh, pastors stay away from that word elect. Don't let that word elect scare you. That word simply means that God is all-knowing. He is omniscient. Uh, he knows everything. He knows, when we talk about the elect, he knows who's going to accept and who's going to reject Jesus Christ? How many of you have ever heard um, of Calvinism? You've heard that word before? Good. Well, the Calvinists, if we're not careful, they, they take this to the extreme. They, they, they have a, an acronym that they use called TULIP, and the L in the TULIP means limited atonement. It means that Christ only died for certain people. That is so untrue. The Bible says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Christ did not uh, uh, choose and pick who he was going to save. Christ died for everyone. The choosing and the picking happens with us. We are the ones who decide whether or not to accept or reject Jesus Christ. Now, as a Christian, uh, we do not know who's going to accept and reject. Only Jesus Christ knows who's going to accept 
and who's going to reject. So it's my job as a Christian to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then those that are here, those that are listening, those that are understanding are going to be the ones that decide whether or not they're going to accept or reject. So Matthew 24, 22 says, And except those days shall be shortened, there shall be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. They shall be shortened. After the sixth seal has been opened, God will restrain his judgment for a short time until his elect have been sealed. Those that are going to accept Christ. Elect is the word. We should remember God never has and never will leave himself without a witness on the earth, even during the great tribulation. Christ always has a witness. He always has people that he's using to show forth himself. And even during the tribulation, God's not going to leave himself without a witness on the earth. And and he is going to restrain judgment until his elect have been sealed. During the dark and sinful days before the flood, even though no one would listen to God, he had a witness on earth. His name was Noah. You see, even God in in the darkest of times had Noah that was witnessing on the earth. During the dark days of Israel's apostasy and idolatry, God raised up prophets to be his witnesses. Today, the church is in the world to bear witness to God and his word. There's always a witness. Likewise, even during the most dreadful time in the history of the world, the great tribulation, God will not leave the world without his witness. God always wants to give people the opportunity to come to know him as their personal savior. And that is witness truth today because God's grace has been extended for so long. God's grace has been and his mercy has been extended for so many years. And yet people continue to reject him. And yet he continues to give grace. He continues to give witness because he wants to see people come to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. Therefore, to seal his witnesses, God instructs the four angels, through another angel having the seal of the living God, to hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. In their foreheads. Now, uh, there's a lot of misconception about this. Um, There's a lot of of issues because people are going to say, wait a minute, I I thought the idea of of the mark of the beast was the foreheads and the mark of the beast was the back of the hands. And here God is saying that he's sealing his elect uh, in their foreheads. Now, there is a huge difference here. God clearly stated that he is sealing the elect. He is not marking the the elect. It is a seal. You see, as Christians, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Christ sealed us until the day of redemption, meaning that, that he covered us. Nothing that we can do can uh, make us unsaved or lose our salvation. He seals us. And the same thing he's going to do with the 144,000. He is going to seal them in their foreheads. This is going to be a sealing that will take place Um, to all of this 144,000, just as Christ sealed us in our souls at salvation. This verse makes it clear that even worse judgments than those from the first six seals are about to take place on earth. Earth is the word there that you're looking for. 
at the opening of the seventh seal, the ultimate inevitable collision of holiness and wickedness is described. So here's what we know. The worst is yet to come. The worst is yet to come. When we open that seventh seal and the seven trumpets and the seven vials of wrath and the bowls of wrath are all taking place at the same time, it is going to be a horrible, it's going to be horrific destruction and judgment. So the worst is certainly yet to come. However, God always lays claim to his own. We see in Genesis chapter 20 and verse number 7, to Elijah the Lord says, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal. God always leaves a remnant. He always lays claim to his own. When Abimelech tampered with Abraham's affairs, God warned him, Restore the man, his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee. God always lays claim to his own. But that does not necessarily mean that they will escape the common, the word you're looking for there is disasters, that they will escape common disasters on earth. It means that God watches over them and takes careful note of their affairs. I've heard many people ask me, where was God in the midst of that terrible destruction? Where was God in the midst of that horrible accident? Where was God in the midst of all that? God was right there. God is always there. But it does not mean that we will escape or that, in this case, the 144,000 will escape the common disasters taking place. It means that God is watching over them and takes careful note of their affairs. And by the way, that's true of us today. God knows exactly where we are at at all times. God knows what we need. God knows what we're going through. God has not forgotten us. And he takes careful note of our affairs and takes careful note of where we are. And he is watching over us. There are two uh, very different companies of people in this section. One company is Jewish, the other is Gentile. One passes unscathed through the fiery furnace of the tribulation. The other is martyred to the very last man. And we'll see that later on. In verse, in verse 4, John gives us the number of those sealed. He said there's 144,000. He also gives their identification of all the tribes of the children of Israel. 12,000 out of the 12 tribes of Israel, equaling 144,000. These 144,000 Jews should be taken literally because John goes on into great detail to reveal exactly who they are, even mentioning the number from each tribe in verses 5 through 8. There is no question that this is a literal 144,000, and there is no question that they are coming out of the, tw- the, the tribes of Israel. Now, as Christians, we must never forget the Jews are, and the word you're looking for is special. They are special people to God because of his covenant with Abraham. Because of his covenant with Abraham. Um, So the Jews are special people to God. They always have been and they always will be. In addition, our Savior and Lord was a Jew. The apostles were all Jews. Every book in the New Testament except for Luke and Acts, which was written by the same author, Luke, were written by Jews. Furthermore, the majority of the Old Testament is simply a history of God's dealings with the Jews. The Jews are very important. The Jews are God's chosen people. When the church is raptured from the earth, God will again work through the Jews. 
In Romans chapter number 11 and verse number 25, the Bible clearly tells us of the Jews' future. It says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, and we talked about this last time, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And what's the fullness of the Gentiles? What did we say that? We said that was the end of the church age. That's when the rapture takes place. And now the Israelites are going to be put on the forefront again. Indeed, it appears Revelation 7 is the day of Pentecost. That's the word you're looking for. The day of Pentecost for the Jews. It seems that 144,000 Jews will preach the gospel to all the world during the tribulation, which will be the most terrible time ever to be a Christian much less an evangelist. So it appears in Revelation 7 that the day of Pentecost for the Jews, the 144,000 will preach, but yet it will be the most terrible time to be a Christian. It is clear from this passage that God is not yet finished with the Jews. He has another divine mission for them during the great tribulation. It will take a special kind of believer during that time. And if you know anything about the Jews, you know a Jew would be perfect for the job. A genuinely devout Jew in our day puts a dedicated Christian to shame. The Jews are amazing. That's the word you're looking for. Amazing people willing to die for their beliefs. They are amazing people willing to die for their beliefs. I've known a couple of Jews and, 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 and that are Christians and when they become Christians, it's a whole outlook change. And they're so dedicated, just like they're dedicated to the Jewish faith um, prior to their salvation. They, they would die for their beliefs, such as it is when they become a Christian. So when, when during the tribulation, these Jews will become Christians completely and totally devout and sold out to Christ. When they turn, they turn completely when they decide to do something, they are almost impossible to stop. As Israel's existence today proves, these are the characteristics that will be needed in believers during the Great Tribulation. Some find it difficult to take the 144,000 or 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes literally because Israel has lost, lost is the word, its tribal identity. They've lost its tribal identity. Uh, the truth is, if you were to ask a Jew today what tribe they were from, probably 90% of them would not even be able to tell you. They've lost their tribal identity. However, it must be remembered that before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the Jews had the most intricate and accurate genealogical records the world even has ever even known. Almost the entire book of 1 Chronicles is the genealogy of the Jews, like what was kept for every Jewish male. When a Jewish male would reach uh, the age of 13, they would receive um, a book that had the genealogy of the Jews. And as you read the book of 1 Chronicles, it's very similar to what they would receive because that was so important to them. Genealogy was so important, such an intricate part of their life. The first chapter of Matthew contains an amazingly detailed genealogy of Christ. It is true for the time being Israel has lost its tribal identity as far as the world is concerned, but God still knows everything, including 
the genealogy of every Jew. God has not forgotten. God knows exactly what's needed. And God knows, uh, he, he penned or inspired um, the book of Revelation and knows that there has to be tribal identity once again during the tribulation. God knows everything. And he certainly knows the genealogy of every Jew. The sealing of the 144,000 in Revelation 7-4 is nothing new. God has always sealed his own. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That sealing is not only a seal to prevent you from becoming lost again and losing your salvation, that seal is also an identity tonight, that you identify with Christ. In the Bible, a seal represents ownership and protection. Today, believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is God's guarantee that we are His. So He sealed the 144,000. Number two. The innumerable multitude. The innumerable multitude. Look with me in chapter number 7, starting in verse number 9 to the end of the chapter. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God! which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence come they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and served him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The innumerable multitude. You cannot read the book of Revelation without realizing the vision John sees are global in their effect. The judgments come upon the entire world. Also, the people saved during the Great Tribulation will be from all over the world, including Jews and Gentiles, as verse 9 says. There is no doubt as to who this multitude is, because one of the elders explains their identity to John in verses 13 and verses 14. Let's look at that again. He explains their identity to John in verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, and one of the elders answers, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence come they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white as the blood of the Lamb. The innumerable multitude apparently is all those who were saved. That's the word you're looking for. Saved during the great tribulation. The Bible says there will be so many that we will not even be able to count them 
They are innumerable. They are innumerable. What an amazing thought that so many people are going to be saved during the tribulation. It's going to be innumerable. And again, remember that the, the mass of people here are the Jews. Uh, certainly, we've, we've looked at the fact that there are going to be Gentiles saved during the tribulation. Uh, but the majority are going to be the Jews that the 144,000 are going to evangelize. In verses 10 through 12, the redeemed multitude cried with a loud voice and gave praise to God and to the Lamb for their salvation. Also, all angels around the throne of God, the elders and the four beasts, fell before the throne of God on their faces. And what did they do? The only thing that any of us will be able to do, worship Him. It's amazing um, that no matter what, heaven is just going to be filled with rejoicing and with praise. It is very probable this innumerable multitude was saved to the evangelistic efforts of the 144,000 Jews during the tribulation period. The fact John did not know who those redeemed were indicates they are not Old Testament believers, nor are they the church. It's very important to understand that because, again, philosophically, and uh, as people try to interpret the book of Revelation, they always try to take away from the fact that this tribulation period is not going to be as the Bible describes it, and that certainly that these believers that are happening here, or the church, or their Old Testament believers, but John did not know who they were. He did not know the redeemed, so it must have been those that are saved during the uh, tribulation based upon the evangel evangelistic efforts of the 144,000. This section also makes it clear that all racial, that's the word you're looking for, racial distinctions will cease in heaven, and we will all simply be people of God. However, as God is working out his plan on earth, distinctions will exist between Jews and Gentiles in the church and those redeemed during the Great Tribulation. So there are distinctions now, but this section makes it clear that those will cease in heaven. Verses 15 through 17 describe one of the most beautiful scenes in the Bible, which appears to be the fulfillment of a promise found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, where the Bible says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Heaven is going to be an amazing place, a place that is undescribable and unimaginable, but it certainly is going to be amazing the innumerable multitude in Revelation 7 served God by day and night in his temple. This host of redeemed individuals are in the immediate presence of God in his temple and yet are without fear and are fully accepted by a holy God. They're fully accepted because they were redeemed. Also, we see in this verse that we will not just sit, sits the word I'm looking for, we will not just sit around heaven and strum on a harp, but we will serve him day and night. We are going to be busy. Uh, we're going to be busy doing the things that God tells us to do and instructs us to do. We're not going to be sitting around. We're going to be busy. That's why we should be busy today. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, as the Bible says. The phrase in verse 15, He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And the Greek says he will spread his tabernacle over them. In other words, the lamb will spread a divine canopy over them for protection. He will protect them. 
Concerning the redeemed multitude, verse 16 says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Those conditions in heaven seem to be in contrast to the earthly experience of those saved during the Great Tribulation because of the lack, in food, lack of food excuse me, and water that is a part of the judgments. There's going to be an abundance. They're not going to be hungry. They're not going to thirst. God has everything taken care of for us in heaven. The phrase, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat in chapter 7 and verse number 16 implies... There must have been suffering on the earth from extreme light and heat. There is no indication as to the cause of this event. Nonetheless, there is suffering involved. In verse 17, we find that the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. The word translated feed is literally shepherd in the Greek. This is a fulfillment of a wonderful promise in John chapter and number 10. He is going to be as a shepherd and feed them. Take your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter number 10. The book of John chapter number 10. And we're going to look at that analogy. John chapter number 10 and verse number 14. John chapter number 10 and verse number 14. The Bible says this. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep have I, or excuse me, and the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The Lamb shall also lead them unto living fountains of water, in verse number 17. In contrast to the burning thirst they experienced during the tribulation, Now they enjoy the refreshing waters of life. Last of all, in verse 17, John says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. In other words, sorrow and grief will never again be their experience. What a great day that's going to be, where there will be no sorrow, there will be no grief, there will be no heartache. It'll just be joy. And may I remind you that joy comes in the morning. From Revelation 7, we know multitudes will be saved during the Great Tribulation, both Jews and Gentiles, but they will suffer tremendously for their faith. On the other hand, there will be multitudes during that time who will reject Christ because they prefer the terrible world they are living in to the world to come. The promises in this chapter actually apply to all believers, for they are repeated and amplified in chapter number 22. What a great comfort, that's the word you're looking for, comfort, this chapter has. Not only to the original readers, the seven churches, but also to us as believers. Listen, we should be encouraged today, but this should motivate us. And our motivation should be this, is realizing that this 144,000 and this innumerable multitude are mostly Jews. And they're certainly not any of us, because we've had the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior However, it should motivate us in the fact that go and tell others about Jesus Christ. That all the world may know, the Bible says in the book of Acts, that all the world may know that I am Jesus Christ. To the ends of the earth. Listen, we need to be going and telling. Because there's going to come a day that it's too late. Grace does end. Grace will come to an end. And we need to be able to say that we're prepared For the return of Jesus Christ. I pray that this has been a blessing to you tonight. I pray that uh, you've learned something. 
uh, as uh, we've continued this series in the book of Revelation. Let's bow our heads and pray tonight. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for it being applicable in our lives. Lord, I pray that we've learned something. I pray that we've been encouraged and strengthened tonight uh, based upon your word. Lord, I pray that as we go our separate ways tonight, that you will keep us safe. And uh, Lord, uh, we'll continue to learn and continue to grow in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.